2: I'll never forget my time serving in the Coast Guard, especially the eerie moments that reminded me just how mysterious and unpredictable the sea can
1: If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary.
2: One particular incident stands out vividly in my memory, leaving me with a lingering sense of awe and unease. It was during my watch's helm and lookout, a crucial responsibility while out in the vast expanse of the Bering Sea. We were miles away from any signs of civilization, surrounded by an endless stretch of water. As I steered the ship, I suddenly noticed a pronounced blip on the radar behind us. It appeared out of nowhere, catching the attention of the officer of the deck. The officer called up to me, the lookout, to report what I could see. However, due to the ship's superstructure, my field of vision was obstructed directly aft by the exhaust stacks. I strained my eyes, trying to make out any details, and that's when I saw it, a disturbance in the water, a wake trailing behind something. But just as quickly as it appeared, it vanished, disappearing beneath the surface. The radar blip disappeared too, leaving us with more questions than answers. We could only speculate about what had caused such a phenomenon. The possibility of encountering a sea cryptid, like a kraken, crossed our minds. The idea sent shivers down my spine, reminding me that even in the middle of the vast ocean, we were not as alone as I had presumed. The unknown depths held secrets that defied our understanding, lurking just below the surface. Another unsettling incident occurred during a mid-watch in the dead of night. The darkness enveloped the ship, and a thick fog blanketed the calm seas, obscuring our vision. I handed over my post as the lookout to another crew member, and as he relieved me, he casually remarked, man, sure is spooky out there. From that moment on, I couldn't shake off the feeling of being watched. Every time our foghorn sounded, its echoing blast amplified by the fog, I couldn't help but jump, my heart racing. The tranquil atmosphere, combined with the thick curtain of fog that swallowed everything beyond our navigation lights, heightened my senses and stirred my imagination. Despite knowing we were completely alone, the silence and isolation played tricks on my mind. Adding to the eerie ambience was the fact that I was serving on the Coast Guard's oldest ship, a vessel with a rich history and numerous ghost stories circulating among the crew. These tales, whispered in the dark corners of the ship, further fueled my imagination and intensified the sense of the unknown. I had always been drawn to stories that defied explanation, but little did I know that my journalistic curiosity would lead me into a world of intrigue and mystery. As a newsman in West Virginia, I found myself venturing into Braxton County, where an unusual incident had unfolded. News had spread of an airplane crash in the area, piquing my interest. I made my way to the site, hoping to uncover the truth behind the peculiar event. As I arrived, a sense of tension hung in the air, and I could see a small crowd gathered around the wreckage. Approaching the scene, I noticed a man standing nearby, clad in a suit that seemed out of place for the rural surroundings. His appearance caught my attention, high cheekbones, slant eyes, and dark skin that hinted at a foreign origin. Intrigued, I approached him, hoping he could shed some light on the situation. With a calm demeanor, he assured me that no one had been hurt in the crash and that no crime had been committed. His words perplexed me. How could such an incident occur without any consequences or investigation? Something didn't add up. Curiosity getting the better of me, I noticed a small, metallic object lying on the ground near the wreckage. It seemed insignificant, almost like a trinket or a toy. Without thinking much of it, I picked it up and slipped it into my pocket. Perhaps it could serve as a clue in unraveling the truth. As night fell and the world around me grew quiet, I found myself restless at home. The events of the day lingered in my mind, the unanswered questions gnawing at my insatiable curiosity. It was around 3 AM. When a sudden knock on my door shattered the silence, jolting me from my thoughts. Opening the door cautiously, I was taken aback to find an army officer standing before me. His appearance mirrored that of the man at the crash site, the same high cheekbones, slant eyes, and dark skin. It was as if they were cut from the same cloth. Without hesitation, the officer demanded the return of the metal thingamajig I had picked up earlier. Surprised and caught off guard, I reluctantly handed it over to him, my mind racing with questions. How did he know I had taken it? And why was it of such importance? The army officer thanked me sternly, his expression revealing nothing. With the object back in his possession, he turned and left, disappearing into the night as mysteriously as he had appeared. Left standing in my doorway, I couldn't help but wonder what secrets this strange artifact held. As the morning sun gently streamed through my window, I had no inkling that my life was about to take an unexpected turn. At exactly 7am, a a knock on my door interrupted the tranquility of my morning routine. Curiosity peaked, I opened the door to find a man dressed entirely in black standing before me. His sharp attire and serious demeanor immediately grabbed my attention. He wasted no time in introducing himself and ushering me towards a sleek black Buick sedan parked nearby. Something about his presence exuded an air of secrecy and urgency. Without exchanging many words, we embarked on a journey to a nearby cafe. Once seated, he began to speak with a captivating intensity, recounting an extraordinary sighting he had experienced the previous day near Tacoma, Washington State. The images he painted were so vivid and detailed that it felt as though he had transported me to the very scene of the sighting. He described six peculiar objects, donut-shaped and unlike anything he had ever seen before. His words were laced with a sense of awe and trepidation, as if he had stumbled upon a secret that demanded utmost discretion. It was then that he made a chilling statement, urging me to remain silent about the incident if I truly cared for my family's well-being. His words hung in the air, and I couldn't help but feel a knot of unease forming in the pit of my stomach. Who was this man, and why was he sharing such sensitive information with me? The gravity of the situation became all too real. Days later, as I attempted to make sense of the encounter, I found myself faced with a devastating turn of events. Two Air Force intelligence officers, Frank Brown and William Davidson, who had been involved in questioning me about the sighting, tragically lost their lives in a plane crash on their return to base. The timing and circumstances were far too coincidental to ignore. Then, fate struck again. Kenneth Arnold, another investigator involved in unraveling the truth behind the sighting, experienced engine failure during a flight back home. Forced to crash land, he narrowly escaped with his life. The pattern of inexplicable incidents unfolded before me, weaving a sinister tapestry of danger and secrecy. Rumors began to circulate, attempting to discredit the authenticity of my encounter. Some claimed that I had admitted to fabricating the entire story. However, a teletype from the Seattle FBI Special Agent George Wilson to J. Edgar Hoover shed light on the truth. It stated that I had not admitted the story was a hoax, but rather mentioned the possibility of claiming it as such to avoid further trouble. As a park ranger, I've become immune to many weird and strange occurrences in the woods. Unnatural looking animals, strange figures, and even paranormal phenomena have become a part of my everyday life. The rule I follow is simple, as long as I don't interfere in matters that don't concern me, I'll be safer. Most of the time, this rule works, but sometimes things get far too real and far too scary. I belong to a group of rangers stationed in a remote corner of the park, surrounded by a vast forest. Last week, something happened that I can't simply ignore like I usually do. My partner, whom I'll call Carlos, and I had patrol duty for the night. We had recently been relocated to a cabin where many rangers had stayed in the past. It was a decent little space with two adjoining rooms and a small bathroom. Luxury was the last thing on my mind in the middle of nowhere, especially considering the nature of our job. Around 7pm, after having some tea and reading the news, we put on our gear and left the cabin. With not many rangers stationed nearby at the moment, we had a lot of ground to cover. I personally enjoyed walking in the dark, finding it strangely peaceful. It had been scary in my early years as a ranger, but over time, I found solace in the tranquility it offered. I once asked Carlos if he preferred patrol duty in the dark, but he didn't care for it. Most people wouldn't. As we walked, I observed the thick, tall trees, the moist brown soil, and the cool breeze, the holy trinity of good vibes, in my opinion. I would've liked to listen to some music, but it tended to make me drowsy, so I settled for the random noises of the night the wind oscillated between sudden gusts and gentle breezes, creating a rhythmic symphony of rumbling leaves and crackling bushes. We walked in silence for an hour before getting bored and engaging in some small talk. Carlos began by cracking pathetically lame jokes, which eventually transitioned into sharing horror stories. Despite his orthodox background and belief in the paranormal, his stories were genuinely spine-chilling. Around 2 or 3 in the morning we sat down on a fallen tree. I took out some juice, but it felt unnaturally cold for the weather. The condensation on the outside surprised me, I didn't remember bringing them that cold. Looking back, it should have been a major red flag. As we shared more stories, Carlos was in the middle of telling a particularly eerie tale about a flying vinegar-dipped vampire from the Philippines when I heard a groan. My instincts told me it was the sound of an injured creature, But it didn't feel like an animal. It sounded human, like the grunts of an older woman in pain. The groan was distinct, and both Carlos and I jumped up from the log simultaneously. He had heard it too. I nodded at Carlos, and he pointed his flashlight in the direction of the sound. The groan came again, a little more distant this time. I called out, but there was no response, With my right hand on my firearm and my flashlight in my left, I followed the direction of the voice, repeatedly calling out. The groan echoed once more, and we increased our pace. I led the way, while Carlos hurriedly trailed behind, continuously calling out, hello? Is anybody there? After a minute of walking, we discovered the source of the voice, a short, pale old woman wearing a black cape. She was facing towards us but looking straight down, mumbling something. Her appearance sent shivers down my spine. She was bald, and her skin was a dead-looking dark blue. Her cape was tattered and baggy, and there was an unmistakable sense of unnaturalness about her. But in the off chance that this was a human in need of help, we were obligated to assist her. Carlos approached the woman cautiously, asking if she was hurt. When she looked up, I saw something that chilled me to the core. Her eyes were pitch black, devoid of any humanity. They seemed empty, as if there was nothing behind them. Her skin, too, had an eerie, lifeless quality. It was then that I noticed her mouth, a gaping, ear-to-ear gash on her face. In that moment, everything within me screamed that this wasn't a human being. The unnaturalness of her appearance sent waves of fear coursing through my body. The woman, or whatever she was, suddenly pulled up her hood and shifted her gaze toward me. Without speaking a word, she transmitted something to me telepathically. And then, in an instant, she vanished into thin air, as if she had disintegrated into nothingness. I stumbled backward, feeling a mix of disbelief, terror, and confusion. Was this encounter with an alien or a demonic entity? I looked over at Carlos, and his face was paler than I had ever seen it before. He knelt down, audibly whispering a prayer under his breath. It took me a while to find the strength to get up, my legs still trembling violently, but somehow they still functioned. We made our way back to the cabin, following the markers on the trees. Once inside, I poured some hot tea while Carlos sat at the table with his head in his hands. It was around 5 a.m., and I couldn't help but feel the weight of the traumatic encounter we had just experienced. I mustered up the courage to talk about what we had seen, but Carlos remained silent, unresponsive to my inquiries. Seeing him in that state made me realize the profound impact this encounter had on both of us. By 9 am, I decided to contact my superior and inform them about the incident. However, their response was dismissive, questioning if we had been drinking on the job. Frustrated, I hung up, realizing that we were on our own and dealing with this strange occurrence. We had broken the rule, interfering in a matter that concerned us, and now we had to live with the consequences. Despite the trauma, Carlos and I couldn't resist the pull of the forest. Night after night, we returned to the woods, still following the rule in hopes that it would protect us. This job meant everything to me and I didn't have a plan B but deep down, I couldn't shake the fear of encountering that sinister presence again. I tried researching the incident, hoping to find some reference or explanation. It reminded me of the legend of La Llorona, a weeping ghost from Mexican folklore. Whatever it was, whether an alien or a demon, it radiated an undeniable evil. Why it chose to reveal itself to us, I may never know. All I hope for now is that I never have to see it again, and that the rule we've abided by for so long will continue to keep us safe. New Orleans, 2005. I remember that night vividly, as if it happened just yesterday. I was a police officer responding to a call about a possible break-in at the home of an elderly deceased person. Little did I know that this was just the beginning of a series of bizarre encounters that would shake the foundations of our beliefs. As we investigated the case further, another call came in. Two suspicious individuals were spotted prowling around a boarded-up house near the swamps. My fellow officers and I rushed to the scene, ready to confront any potential threats. We approached cautiously, our hearts pounding with a mix of anticipation and fear. In the dim light, we saw them, two men dressed in black suits, standing ominously in the shadows. Without hesitation, we made the decision to confront them. But when we fired our weapons, they vanished into thin air, leaving no trace behind. It was as if they had simply melted away, defying all logic and explanation. We scoured the area, searching for any sign of their escape route, but found nothing. It was as if they had never existed in the first place. Confusion and disbelief filled our minds as we tried to comprehend what we had just witnessed. Weeks later, another unsettling incident occurred. A man claimed to have been abducted by an unknown creature. He described them as tall, pale figures with no hair, their faces resembling skulls. Despite their otherworldly appearance, there were enough human-like features to distinguish them from any known creature. According to the witness, they attempted to communicate, but their language was incomprehensible, a jumble of sounds that defied all linguistic understanding. The encounter left him bewildered and shaken, struggling to make sense of the inexplicable. Officer Mike Farrell, a senior member of the New Orleans Police Department, expressed his frustration in finding any information about these creatures online. He knew that the accounts of these encounters would be met with skepticism and disbelief without concrete evidence. As the reports continued to pile up, each one more baffling than the last, it became clear that there was something extraordinary happening in the swamps of New Orleans. Strange sightings, unexplained phenomena, and a sense of unease permeated the air. One particular incident shared by an off-duty officer sent chills down our spines. He had witnessed a fellow officer disturbed by an encounter during their shift. They had been dispatched for a welfare check on an elderly woman, but upon arrival, the house appeared untouched. No signs of forced entry or any indication that someone had been there. Curiosity got the better of them, and they decided to keep an eye on the property. To their astonishment, they noticed a light flickering in one of the windows despite there being no visible connection to any source of electricity. Determined to investigate, they rushed inside, only to find an empty house, devoid of any signs of life. As they resumed surveillance outside, the officers' attention was drawn to movement in the shadows. Two figures emerged from the darkness, one tall and imposing, the other small and mysterious. They watched in disbelief as the figures approached the house, But before they could react, the figures vanished into thin air, leaving them perplexed and filled with an eerie sense of dread. Something inexplicable hung in the air that night, an electrical charge that added to the surreal nature of the events unfolding before us. These encounters defied all logical explanation, leaving us questioning our understanding of the world and the presence of forces beyond our comprehension. To this day, The strange occurrences around the elderly woman's missing case, the unexplained lights in the house, and the enigmatic figures that haunted our thoughts remain unresolved. I still remember the day I first set foot on the grounds of West Point, the prestigious United States Military Academy. The campus, with its gothic castle-like buildings, exuded an air of both grandeur and eeriness. As an aspiring army officer, I was ready to embark on a journey that would test my limits physically, mentally, and spiritually. Being a cadet at West Point meant living in the barracks, which were more like ancient structures that seemed to have stood the test of time. Assigned to the infamous Lost 50s barracks during my sophomore year, I found myself in the midst of stories and legends of ghostly encounters. It was said that the spirits of fallen soldiers roamed the halls their presence felt by those who dared to stay up late studying or succumb to sleep deprivation. As an engineering student, my days were filled with demanding classes and rigorous training. Sleep became a luxury I could rarely afford, and the constant exhaustion blurred the line between reality and imagination. The creaking floors, the mysterious noises, and the occasional slamming of doors all became part of the background noise in my sleep-deprived existence. I shrugged it off, convinced that even the ghosts would have to wait their turn if they wanted to haunt me. Fast forward to 2011, and I found myself deployed to the unforgiving terrain of Afghanistan. It was a harsh reality, a far cry from the hallowed halls of West Point. My best friend and college roommate, who shared the same dreams of serving our country, was tragically taken from us in an ambush. Grief consumed me and my mind couldn't help but wander into the realm of the supernatural. The day after his death, I had a dream, a vivid encounter that felt both surreal and hauntingly real. In that dream, my friend and I had a conversation, as if he were standing right beside me. His words echoed with an otherworldly wisdom as he warned me of the dangers that lay ahead. Watch out for IEDs, he said. When the road turns to loose dirt, you need to be vigilant. I woke up, shaken to the core. Was it just a dream born out of grief and guilt? Or was there something more to it? Despite my skepticism, I couldn't ignore the lingering feeling that his message held significance. With a heavy heart and a newfound sense of caution, I prepared for another routine convoy security mission. As we traversed the dusty Afghan roads, I couldn't shake off the image of loose dirt under our wheels. And then it happened a deafening explosion, shattering the calm of the surrounding desert. Our vehicle had struck an eye, and chaos erupted. Amid the chaos and the smoke, I found myself relatively unharmed, save for a few stitches and a renewed sense of awe. The dream, my friend's warning, had come true. It was as if he had guided me through the darkness, protecting me from the very dangers that took his life. In the aftermath of that fateful day, I couldn't help but reflect on the mysteries of life and death, and the thin veil that separates them. The lost 50s barracks, with its alleged hauntings, seemed to hold a deeper meaning now. Perhaps the spirits of those who had gone before us were not mere tales or figments of imagination, but guardians watching over us in ways we could never fully comprehend. My army career continued, forever marked by the memory of my fallen friend and the unexplained events that unfolded. Life taught me that there are forces beyond our understanding, and sometimes, the supernatural intertwines with our reality in ways we can only begin to fathom. And so, I walked on, with a newfound respect for the mysteries that lie beneath the surface, ever vigilant and ready to face whatever may come. So there I was stationed in Afghanistan during the years of 2011 and 2012. It was a tense time, as we constantly monitored the predator feeds, eagerly anticipating the start of our shift and the missions that lay ahead. Little did I know that this particular day would bring forth a series of events that would leave us all in awe and disbelief. As we watched the feeds, our attention was immediately captured by the sight of a motorcycle speeding through the rugged Afghan terrain. It carried three individuals, one of whom had a bag over their head, facing backward. Instantly, a wave of concern washed over us, as we realized we were witnessing a kidnapping unfold right before our eyes. We braced ourselves, fearing the worst, witnessing a fellow human being meet a tragic end. The motorcycle came to a halt near a cluster of trees breaking the illusion of Afghanistan as a desert landscape perpetuated by the media. The captors led the hooded figure out of their sight, and he was forced to kneel on the ground. Time seemed to slow down as we anxiously awaited the next moments, filled with dread and helplessness. But to our astonishment, instead of carrying out a gruesome act, the captors unexpectedly lifted the hooded man back onto the bike. Confusion mingled with relief as we watched them speed towards the nearest town, our anticipation mounting. As they arrived in the heart of the town, our anxiety peaked once more. The motorcycle screeched to a halt, and the captors pushed the man against a wall. What could their intentions be? Our minds raced with speculation, fearing the worst. Then, something utterly unexpected unfolded before our eyes, A seemingly ordinary ice cream cart was pushed into view. The captors removed the hood, revealing the face of the kidnapped man. To our amazement, they handed him the ice cream cart, transforming him from a victim to an unexpected purveyor of frozen treats. As if scripted, the once captive man began moving through the town, selling ice cream to the locals. Confusion swept through our ranks, mirroring the disbelief we felt within ourselves. The situation had taken a surreal turn, leaving us questioning our assumptions and perceptions of the world around us. I was just 20 years old when this extraordinary incident occurred, right here in Sao Paulo state, Brazil. It was the year 2017, and my friend Tiago invited me to spend a day at his father's place, located just outside Jacutinga Mg. Excited for a new adventure, I accepted his invitation, and together we embarked on an unforgettable journey. We arrived at Chago's father's house on a beautiful Saturday morning. The day unfolded splendidly, filled with laughter, good food, and enjoyable activities. We relished a mouthwatering barbecue, took refreshing swims, savored delicious fruits, and engaged in meaningful conversations. Later in the day, We even lent a helping hand to Tiago's father as he pruned some trees. It was a truly enjoyable and bonding experience. As the sun began to set and darkness veiled the surroundings, around 8 PM, Tiago's father requested that we leave. With his old-fashioned Fiorino pickup truck, we embarked on our journey back. Tiago and I settled in the bucket seats, with our backs to the rear window, gazing backward as the truck moved along we had covered about a kilometer when Tiago's father slowed down to pass through a tunnel. Suddenly, we noticed a towering black figure rapidly approaching from behind. Initially, I thought it was a large dog, its eyes gleaming in the darkness. In that moment, confusion and fear engulfed us, and we exchanged bewildered comments about the mysterious creature. It stood on the precipice, resembling a person, gazing intently in our direction from a distance of approximately 40 to 50 meters. The encounter left us utterly terrified and perplexed. As we locked eyes with the creature, it swiftly shifted back onto all fours and descended the ravine, heading towards the road. It reached the roadside with remarkable speed, bounding across the entire width of the road and leaping into the opposite ravine. Thiago exclaimed, that's a werewolf. To our astonishment, the werewolf continued to pursue us, mirroring our path through the woods. Leaves and branches were sent flying, the snapping of twigs resonated through the air, and we glimpsed the creature maneuvering effortlessly among the trees. Chago urged his father to accelerate, revealing that something was relentlessly tailing us. The father inquired, What is it? To which Chago responded, I think it's a werewolf. Finally, We arrived at a river and crossed a narrow bridge. Strangely, the werewolf did not follow us across the river but remained on the riverbank, steadfastly watching our departure until it disappeared from sight at the bend in the road. This encounter shattered my disbelief in the existence of werewolves, despite hearing stories from my parents and grandparents. From that day forward, I have been apprehensive about venturing into the countryside at night, harboring a newfound respect for the unknown. The memory that etched itself most deeply in my mind was the creature's astounding leap, effortlessly traversing the road from one side to the other. Reflecting on the incident, I realized that had it not been for the river, that ferocious werewolf might have pounced onto the Fiorino Uno, eager to seize us. Now, I cautiously avoid nighttime journeys to the countryside. Mindful of the cryptids and mythical creatures that may lurk beyond the safety of the city's embrace. My name is Joe Crop, and I find myself entangled in a peculiar situation involving a cryptid that I am desperate to learn more about. But more importantly, I need to connect with anyone willing to explore its lair. Allow me to share the secondhand information that has led me to this point. I hesitate to label my cousin as a liar because he is an honest and trustworthy individual. However, strange occurrences have plagued his property far too frequently. Synced car alarms blaring simultaneously, animals mysteriously vanishing without a trace, and pole lights flickering on and off randomly, despite receiving a clean bill of health from the electric company. These are just a few examples. More recently, something is taken to walking on his roof. Multiple witnesses have attested to hearing the eerie footsteps. However, whenever someone investigates, the presence vanishes without a trace. It dawned on me that it might be utilizing the caves and the sinkhole adjacent to his house as a lair. To provoke more activity and hopefully capture it on camera, we decided to throw large fireworks deep into the caves. We even utilized artillery shells and some slightly illegal old-style M80S. It appears our efforts have yielded the desired response. Tonight, my cousin ventured to inspect his livestock due to their restless behavior, and the creature was once again on the roof. In an attempt to deter it, he fired a shot, but the entity was incredibly swift. He described its speed as being akin to that of a jackrabbit. The creature possesses the size of a large dog, with glowing yellow eyes the size of golf balls. Its appearance is shrouded in darkness, and we are unable to discern if it is covered in fur or some other form of texture. Equally puzzling is its method of locomotion, whether it moves on two legs or all fours remains uncertain. Presently, it has retreated back into the depths of the caves, emitting an agitated, rapid clicking noise that reverberates with intensity. I am hopeful that the trail camera my cousin set up will capture some evidence of its existence. However, I must stress that investigating this entity carries a level of danger. It has exhibited hostile tendencies, making the situation potentially hazardous. Any guidance or assistance you can provide would be greatly appreciated. Dear Sir, I write you this story of my attack by a werewolf last August. It was a clear moonlit night as myself and a friend were sitting outside my home. I live near Oros, Sierra, Brazil near a large lake. I had heard strange sounds coming from the lake valley for many nights. It reminded me of a snorting bull but louder. There are legends of large demon dogs and stories of people who roam the night with wolf masks and steal sheep. But I never believed any of these tales. My friend, who lives near me in the valley, tends sheep and he had lost two in recent days. There was no blood found but there were large dog tracks in the mud by the lake's edge. We decided to wait out the night and search if we started to hear sounds again. The time was around 11 pm when we started to hear the grunts coming from below my property. It is a swampy area with a spring. We both carried shotguns hoping to find the varmint. We both thought it was probably a wild dog or maned wolf though we had never seen anything over the years we had lived here. As we walked closer to the swamp, something stood up over the weeds. It was hard to see but we both described it as a large wolf man and over 2 meters high. It stood like a man but had a wolf head and upper body. We were both shocked at this sight. I was able to fire a shot as it ran off but I was unsuccessful. But just a few minutes later we heard the grunts again as it become louder and closer. This creature charged on all fours out of the weeds towards me. It got very close but stopped and turned when my friend shot behind it. It was so close that he shot away so I would not be struck. It ran towards the valley. We tried to find this creature for weeks but never heard it again. Some of the local people think we witnessed a werewolf. I will never question the legends in the future. Do you have any idea what we saw? The local authorities refused to search for it though I feel it may have left the area. This occurred about one year ago, last summer. It was a weekday morning and I was still working from home, post-pandemic. I am a middle-aged woman and home alone. I live on a suburban street, with houses very spaced apart. Think 60s as ranches, with half-acre lots. My backyard is fenced in.
1: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
2: And chain-link fence with metal gate, I have a covered patio that is decorated and furnished. The patio has two short wood privacy fences on either side that block the neighbor's view, and the gate in the fence, I am sitting in my family room, on the couch, feet propped up, working on my laptop, facing the windows, that look out to the patio. All of a sudden, I see a person walk in front of the window. On the patio. I am thinking WTH, who's in my backyard? There is a wall between the windows and back door so I can't see the person anymore. I jump up and do the stupidest thing. I open, the back door, peek my head around and yell what the hell are you doing? I came face to face with this 20-something kid, wearing a reflective vest, holding what looks to me like a small metal detector. He says checking for gas. By now my dogs are behind me at the door. I replied we don't have gas. The man slash kid, just turned around and walked away. I noticed, he wore no name badge, no company logo, had no obvious phone or device for work etc. I immediately locked the door and ran to the front window. I see my catty-corner neighbor out in her driveway. I step out and yell Hey Ellen, was there a utility guy in your yard? Ellen yells you mean that guy and points right at the kid, as he is attempting to walk up another driveway. By now Ellen and I have met in the street, and I guess two women, pointing at him, scared him off because he stopped and just started walking away down the road. My street is a one-way-in, one-way-out kind of deal, not connected, to other neighborhoods. We saw no utility trucks, or contractor vehicles anywhere. No cars parked on the street. And my home really, does not have gas utilities, it is all electric. I went back inside because I had to attend an online work meeting. Later, my neighbor and I both called the gas company and were both told they had no one in the area. And knew nothing about checking gas lines. I did call the sheriff later that afternoon, they sent out a deputy, took a report. The deputy was pretty annoyed that we didn't report sooner. And that I opened the door and confronted the guy, as was my husband. I wasn't even scared in the moment, but I was freaked out the rest of the day. I put my 80 pound shepherd husky mix out back the rest of the day, wish she had have been outside when he walked up. I have seen something strange at night driving home and I can't for the life of me figure out what it was. Some people say it was a Newfoundland Bigfoot and I decided to look it up since I haven't heard of one here before. That led me to your site and the story of the boys from St. John's. I'd love to share my story. On my way home, in February 2017, we had a week of warm weather and my boyfriend and I were driving home on Big Triton Island on Highway 380. We came around a turn off one of the bridges next to a mussel farm and in the distance, I saw something so big that it scared me. It was far enough away that the headlights couldn't shine a light on it but close enough that the rays of light highlighted it just enough for me to see its outline, and its eyes lit up like two big saucers. When it heard the car, it turned its head to look at us. That's when its eyes flared up and I saw just how tall it was. At first, I thought it was a big moose because of its size, and then I knew it wasn't when it ran off the road so fast the headlights didn't even touch it and I got to see just how huge the limbs were. Anyone who's anyone knows a moose has skinny little legs, but this one had huge muscular ones, similar to a bear's but also different because its paws were different, like large human hands. It was perhaps maybe a second or second and a half flat for it to get off the road and go completely out of sight. I slowed down as I neared where I had seen it and tried to look around the ditch which had a huge clearing before the tree line. There was a small cluster of about 5 trees in the middle where it was recently cleared and the animal was nowhere in sight. Normally I'm naturally curious and would stick around to try to see an animal, but I felt threatened and very much in danger. So I drove on. I know there are a lot of bears in the area but I have never seen one that big and I have seen and photographed many bears since they are so common. It took up most of the road and its reaction to seeing the car and ever so stealthy retreating off the road was so creepy because you could see it was intelligent, not fearful of the car. It didn't want to be hit by the lights so it can remain in the shadows. It simply didn't want want to be seen. It struck me as so smart, so big, so unlike anything I have seen on the island. I thought perhaps it was a bear up early because of the warm weather, But it was the biggest mofo I have ever seen, and it's winter. I mistook it for a freaking full-grown moose. I don't know what I saw, but it's the first time I've ever seen anything like that and it was by far the biggest thing I have seen on the island. I was really frightened and normally I'm excited to see wildlife. My boyfriend didn't see it, but he's night blind, and I have to keep an eye out for moose when he drives and let him know if I see them because my night sight is really good. My name is Joe Crop, and I find myself entangled in a peculiar situation involving a cryptid that I am desperate to learn more about. But more importantly, I need to connect with anyone willing to explore its lair. Allow me to share the second-hand information that has led me to this point. I hesitate to label my cousin as a liar because he is an honest and trustworthy individual. However, strange occurrences have plagued his property far too frequently. Synced car alarms blaring simultaneously, animals mysteriously vanishing without a trace, and pole lights flickering on and off randomly, despite receiving a clean bill of health from the electric company. These are just a few examples. More recently, something has taken to walking on his roof. Multiple witnesses have attested to hearing the eerie footsteps. However, whenever someone investigates, the presence vanishes without a trace. It dawned on me that it might be utilizing the caves and the sinkhole adjacent to his house as a lair. To provoke more activity and hopefully capture it on camera, we decided to throw large fireworks deep into the caves. We even utilized artillery shells and some slightly illegal old style MADS. It appears our efforts have yielded the desired response. Tonight, my cousin ventured to inspect his livestock due to their restless behavior, and the creature was once again on the roof. In an attempt to deter it, he fired a shot, but the entity was incredibly swift. He described its speed as being akin to that of a jackrabbit. The creature possesses the size of a large dog, with glowing yellow eyes the size of golf balls. Its appearance is shrouded in darkness, and we are unable to discern if it is covered in fur or some other form of texture. Equally puzzling is its method of locomotion whether it moves on two legs or all fours remains uncertain. Presently, it has retreated back into the depths of the caves, emitting an agitated, rapid clicking noise that reverberates with intensity. I am hopeful that the trail camera my cousin set up will capture some evidence of its existence. However, I must stress that investigating this entity carries a level of danger. It has exhibited hostile tendencies, making the situation potentially hazardous. Any guidance or assistance you can provide would be greatly appreciated. My boyfriend and I frequently go camping together. The summer of 2016 was when this encounter took place. We had set up camp in a little site along a trucking road. It was about 40 minutes outside of a smaller town in the area and only had two campsites in this location. We chose the first site, which had a bit of a dirt hill to drive down, but the actual site was shaped into a circle. The other site was within view, but far enough away, and surrounded by enough trees that you couldn't really see people in it, only tents and our RVs we noticed that the other site had an RV in it, but it's a relatively common spot and it was a weekend so this was common. When the sun went down we were sitting around the fire, probably around 11pm when we hear some at in the distance. This is a little weird because typically people ride them during the day, but not really concerning. However, then we see the headlights get closer and closer. Two AT drive into our sight, and at this point we're a little creeped out because it's pitch black, we're all alone, and in a no-service area two men get off the AT-versus and walk towards us. I should mention that my boyfriend and I were 19 and 20 at the time, and these men are big. They come up and try holding just casual conversation, talking about how they're at the site beside us and wanted to introduce themselves. This is still a little concerning, as who introduces themselves this late at night. They continue to talk to us for probably 20 minutes before my boyfriend starts saying how we're running out of firewood and probably going to head to bed soon in an effort to get them to leave. They then start talking about how they'll bring their own firewood over and bring us some drinks. We try saying we're really tired but they insist and leave the site. So my boyfriend and I quickly start trying to pack up the site and make it seem as though we really did go to bed. We did hear the A.T. versus later on that night passing by our site, but we didn't get out of our tent to check. Overall, it seems really mild, but it really freaked us out just being alone in the woods with these two bigger men. The whole situation was just really off. This incident occurred in Ozona, Texas in the summer of 2015. I had been on the phone with my ex-boyfriend, but I had fallen asleep. Then I suddenly woke up because I could hear my ex-boyfriend saying baby please, don't do this. I believe that I had broken up with him while I was sleep talking to him. Anyway, he was telling me I was saying ugly things to him. In the middle of our conversation, I hear wings flapping and see a large shadow stop at my window. The first thing that runs through my mind is Lala Chusa. I tell my ex not to hang up, but not to say anything. I'm scared. And I don't explain anything to him. Then all of a sudden the shadow disappears. I then start telling my ex what happened, when from the ceiling of my room I hear this horrible laugh and scratching. Then I try to yell and nothing comes out. I am frozen scared. I try to yell, I try to get up, but I can't. Somehow I finally jump off my bed and run across to where my cousin and her daughters are asleep. I try to wake up my cousin so I touch her and she opens her eyes. I said, there's a Lachusa. But she didn't understand me. She said what? Pretty loud. The girls woke up and right then it's right above my cousin's room. The girls start to cry. I'm starting to freak the heck out. We don't know what to do. My cousin and I decide to call the cops and tell them that we saw someone looking in the window. I mean what would they think if we said, we need an officer to rid us of this Lachusa? Anyway, we call them and I swear the scratching, laughing and thuds are loud and getting louder. We wait and literally seconds before we see the spotlight from the cops outside, it stops. The cop arrives, but they soon leave. About 10 minutes after he leaves it comes back. We run to the car and decide to leave. That was the last day I lived with my cousin. I reside in southern Appalachia, nestled next to the scenic Pisgah and DuPont forests. In this picturesque region, I have become acquainted with a rather intriguing phenomenon. It's not something I can easily explain, but I often catch glimpses of shadow-like beings with dark faces. They stand about five and a half to six feet tall, peering around from behind trees. These sightings have become a regular occurrence in my life. At first, I attributed these encounters to the paranormal, as I can never seem to find them once they retreat behind the protective veil of foliage. Every day, without fail, I spot at least three of these enigmatic figures. It's frustrating that I have never managed to capture a photograph in time. As they swiftly vanish from view. It's as if they possess a supernatural ability to conceal themselves. Curiously, after briefly revealing themselves to me, they occasionally peek back out from behind the tree to check if I have moved on. Despite their elusive nature, I have never felt threatened by their presence. We seem to coexist in a state of peaceful indifference. I go about my daily activities, paying them no mind, and they reciprocate by showing no signs of aggression or harm. I share this story in the hopes that someone may shed light on the nature of these mysterious beings. Perhaps there are others who have encountered similar phenomena or possessed knowledge that can help unravel this enigma. If not, that's perfectly all right. Maybe someone will find amusement or intrigue in my account. After all, it's the peculiar mysteries that add flavor to our lives and spark the imagination. I lived in a forested part of a coal mining town where my grandfather built a log cabin. As a teenager, I didn't sleep much for whatever reason. Because of that, I would go for walks at night. Nothing too strange ever happened except an occasional whistling noise that I would only hear during my walks, not when I'm sitting on the deck or wandering the yard. I'm not sure if this is even related to the following event. One night. I was talking with my grandfather in his office about that unfamiliar sound, he usually always had an answer, but not this time. We joked around about its possible origins and then I said goodnight. My phone had been dead for a few hours at this point, but midway down the steps, it turned on and started playing Walking After Midnight by Patsy Cline but only the I'm always walking, after midnight, searching for you part before shutting off again. My phone has been dead for at least two hours at this point and that was not the last song I was listening to. I tried turning it back on to see if maybe I was mistaken that it died, but it flashed the dead battery symbol for a moment before going black again. Then my grandfather, whose office is only a few feet from the steps, calls out another fun fact, Patsy Cline died in a plane crash on my birthday. Obviously, I didn't go for a walk that night or at all until I got a dog. If this story is interesting at all, I have more that may or may not be connected to this event. It was in the early hours of the morning on a particular day in the early 2000s when a middle-aged woman was found unconscious on the road in a Daiwanya, Kuwait suburb. When she was taken to the hospital, she had a horrific story to tell the authorities. Apparently, she was a musician, and she had been hired to provide entertainment for a gathering in a large villa in the neighborhood she was found in. As the night went on, however, she came to realize that a number of her clients weren't entirely human. She tried to escape and evidently failed. This happened in Daiwanya, Kuwait in Western Asia. In the early 2000s, Stories appeared in the Kuwaiti media detailing the run-in that a hapless victim had with beings that would normally be confined to the dark reaches of mythology and folklore. The musician was a middle-aged woman who plays a traditional Kuwaiti instrument. She received a call from a prospective client who wanted to hire her for her services during the month of Ramadan. Since it is inappropriate to perform music during Ramadan, the witness initially refused. But the caller insisted and tripled her usual fee, eventually persuading her to go. The callers sent their own driver to pick her up, and what began as a usual musical event suddenly took a sharp turn for the supernatural. The party started early in the evening but continued on until 12 am, at which point some of the attendees began to act bizarrely. A group of young girls at the center of the room, for example, started to dance very aggressively. They moved in such a vigorous manner that their legs began showing under their long dresses, revealing that their legs were not, in fact, those of humans, but rather bore a closer resemblance to horses' legs. Terrified, the woman ran out of the party where she found the driver who had picked her up waiting for her. She quickly got into the car and refused to comment when the driver asked her what was wrong due to being too distraught to speak coherently. After a couple of minutes, However, she had calmed down enough to be asked again by the driver. She told him that some of the party goers did not have human legs, prompting the driver to reply you mean just like mine? before revealing his legs under his clothes. Like the young girls at the gathering, they were those of an animal. The woman was hysterical with fear at this point, and so threw herself from the car and landed on the street, rendering herself unconscious. The next day, After reporting the bizarre incident, she decided to return to the villa accompanied by the local authorities. However, the villa was gone. It had completely vanished, leaving nothing behind but an empty yard. Last week me and my significant other went on a hike at night time. It had to be around 12 am. We went on this wooded path and though it was eerie we figured we would be fine as we hit each other. We barely saw anyone until we start going up this path and see an individual further ahead of us with a flashlight on, they turned it on then off a couple of times. We continued walking up the hill the person in front of us, eventually at some point they went off path and we no longer saw them. We continued up to the spot we were headed and stopped there sat and talked and made out for about an hour, Then as we are making our way back to the secluded area's exit. We hear rustling in the bushes near us. We both looked over expecting to see an animal. Until we realized the rustling was too loud and the shape in the bushes was too big. It was a person. They rose their head up a bit and we caught a glimpse of the flashlight as they started to emerge out of the bush. I quickly realized whatever was happening was very off. Out of fear I screamed and took off running. My significant other followed a bit behind. I at first heard more than just her footsteps than just hers. Meaning he attempted to follow or chase us potentially for a few seconds. We got away. I'm not sure when he got in the bush. If he was there before us, but that means he was sitting there for over an hour in silence by himself. I don't know what exactly that was or what he was doing. But I would hate to have found out what happened if we didn't run. When in Albuquerque we stayed at the Air Force base in what used to be base housing. They rented out for travelers. Better than a hotel. Full house, kitchen, washer, etc. Anyway, when we got to the house, the back door to the yard was open. No big deal, I thought they just left it open. That night while trying to sleep, I kept a small light on in the kitchen and I remember seeing the light dim like it was being blocked momentarily. I was half asleep so I figured the dog was blocking it as he walked by. Then sometime in the early hours, I thought I heard young girls talking and giggling. Didn't think much of it. Thought maybe dreaming or outside. Then a little later I hear my dog barking outside. I'm thinking WTF? Can't be my dog. No way out. So I called him and he didn't come to the room so I got up he was outside the backyard with the back door open. I'm a freak about locking the doors. My son even asked me if I locked up before bed. The lock has the knob lock as well as bolt lock. Now, I'm not saying I experienced something paranormal, but I can't explain it logically. And when I got to thinking, the dog could not have blocked the light. He isn't tall enough. And no human could be in the house without my dog attacking it or even outside the house with him at the very least barking. Kinda interesting. My friend and I went to a holiday party about a year back, and we had an early morning meeting for a volunteer event the following day. It was around 12 1 am when we decided to leave the party, but my friend realized that she forgot to buy drinks for the meeting in the morning not wanting her to have to wake up earlier than she had to, I offered to drive her to a nearby grocery store that happened to be open late. On the way there, we realized that it was super quiet and there weren't any other cars around, which is pretty typical if it would have been a weekday. But it was a Saturday, and usually, Saturdays are busy until 3 am in our city. Nonetheless, we drove on and reached the store. As we drove in, We saw a lady literally appear seemingly out of nowhere, dancing around in a very free-looking way. I don't really know how to describe her outfit other than almost pirate-like. There were pieces of cloth hanging off of her outfit. Her face was pale white with dark, but neat, eye makeup, and her hair looked like it might have been really big dreadlocks with more cloth, or maybe even feathers, tied into it. We quickly pulled into a far parking spot, well away from her and practically sprinted into the store, and when we looked back, she was gone. Not sure if this matters, but I figured I would include the ambience of the store as well in case this is a cross-dimensional experience. The lights were dim with some flickering, and when we first walked in, there was a couple, about middle-aged and I think the woman was pregnant if I remember correctly, whispering to, seemingly, the only employee. When they spotted us, they stopped talking and watched us walk down the juice aisle. Needless to say, my friend said she changed her mind and wanted to leave. When we first stepped out, we both happened to look to our left and saw the woman from earlier, standing still at the opposite end of the parking lot. We immediately booked it to my car, got in, and locked the doors. But, when I tried to start it, it wouldn't. I had just bought the car a couple of weeks prior from a certified dealership, and the car never had, and still never has to this day, given me issues. Luckily, after a few turns of the key, my car started and we left. In my rear-view mirror, the entity? danced towards my car again, but it was almost as though she was sprinting because she was moving so quickly toward us. Once we made it back over the hill towards our homes, It was as though every single car that should have been on the other side of the hill appeared and the town was as busy as usual. I still have no idea who slash what we saw, but I know very well that there was no way that what we experienced was natural in this world. If anyone has opinions on what creature or entity we saw that night, please share. As much as I'm still scared of that incident, I am anxious to know what we experienced. I forgot to mention that this happened in Southern California in a city near Los Angeles. Later, I was at a pet store nearby where I saw the dancing woman, and I saw her in the parking lot again. This time it was daylight. I should have taken a photo, but I didn't feel right about it. The woman looked normal, or at least as normal as a woman dressed as a pirate could look. As fun or scary as the story from that night a couple of years ago is, I think that the woman I saw was just that, a woman, who seemed out of place due to her attire, movements, and behavior. The story is still weird and gives me chills, especially since the people inside the grocery store were acting so strange, but I think it's safe to say, that she was not an entity after all. I can't really explain it, I just knew it wasn't a person. The way the body of it moved was very strange. It wasn't just dancing. It was twisting and, I don't want to say floating but I think that would be the best way to describe it, it just wasn't a natural way of moving. My friend and I have been trying to piece the information together because we can only describe what we as individuals experienced. I've dealt with a handful of strange people, especially when getting closer to LA, but this was unlike anything I've ever experienced. I just felt so much dread like I never had before. Maybe this isn't the right sub to post this experience in, but I haven't the slightest clue what to even categorize this experience as. So I grew up in a small town in Canada, just up from my house in the hillside there was a shack, this shack was a bit bigger than a outhouse had a bed and a desk in it. Every full moon at about 2 am you could see this figure standing overlooking my neighborhood followed by a dark ominous laugher and cries if this thing has been hurt deeply. What's strange is only the kids in the neighborhood could see it. It doesn't stop there though, we were all sitting in the hot tub at my neighbor's house and the house next to his was just getting built, so there was no fence between his house and the new house. We were all talking when my buddy saw something in the basement window he was facing the house. We all turn and at the same time we see a old man in the window and his smile grew to a huge size. We all saw it. Since then nothing has happened because we all moved and went separate ways, but now the hillside has been fully developed into housing. Do you think this was an evil entity or some soul suffering? this happened around 1994 in massachusetts he was tall and skinny with a cowboy hat a dark silhouette with the hallway lit behind him leaning against the doorframe watching me from the hallway looking into my bedroom made my breath go away and then i was paralyzed for a long time when i could finally move i searched my whole house for signs of an intruder and found none i was in seventh or eighth grade I grew up getting sleep paralysis almost nightly until midway through high school. Any time I would fall asleep while laying on my back I'd slip into sleep paralysis. I would always feel it coming but I couldn't escape the pull. If that makes any sense. This was the only time I saw the man with the hat. I consider it the only time I've seen a ghost to this day. The sleep paralysis before and after that always involved shadowy figures moving around my bed that I could only sense in my peripheral. I remember being a little kid finding myself locked in fear on my back while sleeping or in bed with these shadows. I felt I could never let them know I was aware of them or they'd get me. I stopped getting sleep paralysis after one experience where I was feeling myself being pulled down into it. This is the only way to describe the feeling of transitioning from being awake to being in sleep paralysis. Like hands are pulling you downwards and your spirit is not strong enough to pull free. I remember frantically wanting to not be pulled down and somehow I pulled myself up and out of the hands. Since then I haven't had sleep paralysis. I remember it feeling like a balloon inside popped and I suddenly knew I'd never get pulled down again and I haven't since. Sometimes I wonder if it was me, or if the three places I lived growing up happened to be haunted. Either way, I'll never forget the fear I felt upon waking and seeing the man with the hat in the doorway. I had always slept with my door open until that happened. In my twenties in the Midwest suburbs, I was introduced to a playground called the Haunted Playground that I didn't believe was haunted. After visiting at night with my friends, and all of us having little creepy encounters, we started to hang out there semi-occasionally over a span of like two years. We even tried to bring other friends in there, and not tell them anything about the park to see if they also noticed the weirdness. A bunch of little weird things happen that I won't put here, like one time we brought a friend and they refused to get out of the car suddenly and freaked out, but three things stand out. We brought a friend that also didn't know the place was haunted and they were like, I keep seeing this thing pop up behind me, but it's just the park. And we are like, no way dude, this place is the haunted playground. And the three of us start whisper arguing about it being haunted. Suddenly, right in the middle of our semi-circle argument, this bright triangle shaped streak of light, shoots down to the ground. It was like a weird moment that slowed down with all of us watching this silver light. The best way to describe it was like a slow motion sword reflection off the moonlight, piercing the ground, ha ha ha. Another time, with another group of friends we heard someone stomping in the leaves, and it sounded like a human running towards us, and then this deer just walks out from behind a tree, all quiet and light-footed in the grass. A few minutes later, one of the friends suddenly starts to usher us out of the playground in a friendly, but semi-urgent way. Like, putting hands on all of us and leading us out of the park. In my head I was thinking that deer spooked him something good? So I kind of lagged behind a bit, just looking around to see anything. On the way out of the park you have to pass the park district clubhouse, and I see someone on the roof of clubhouse. And I strain my eyes for a moment because for a second, I'm like, oh what's that guy doing on the roof? almost like it could be normal for a second. But I notice the guy is all in the shadow, you can't see any details, just a head, torso, and this arm holding onto the chimney. Holding himself up and crouching down behind the chimney, as if he doesn't want to be noticed, but also wrapped around the chimney as if he was veering around it to get a better look at us. And, I think he has horns. We all get back into the car and I was like, hey did you make us leave about the deer? and he doesn't want to say anything until we are way out of the neighborhood. But apparently, right after the deer he noticed the guy with horns on the roof of the clubhouse, could not rationalize what he was seeing, and just noped us all out of there as fast as he could. And then he was freaked out that I also saw the dude, and even noticed the horns. After the dude with horns on the roof guy, we cut back on the visits and also discovered that you didn't need to actually go into the park to see any weird paranormal action. A girlfriend of mine went with me once after that, and we were both too chicken to get out of the car, so we parked facing the haunted playground, but over two blocks. We were smoking cigarettes and chit-chatting with the car off, lights off, in the dark. The only street lights on, were in the block ahead of us and on the sidewalk. The haunted playground is to the right. The conversation stops, and I'm just watching the street and I see something coming from the direction of the haunted playground. It's just a clear outline of a person walking. It was clearly a person walking, but you could see right through the them. It was just like a weird glowy outline of a person. But no person. So I whisper to my friend, because I am like freaking out about seeing a literal invisible person? Me. Whispering, I'm whispering right now, because there is something out there freaking me out, and I don't want it to hear us. Do you see it? Friend, oh thank god you see it too. Me, tell me what you see so I know I'm not crazy. Friend, the person walking that's not there? Me, yeah, what in the ever living F is that? Friend, are we seeing a willow the wisp right now? Me, what is a willow wisp? Friend a bad thing. We just watched it walk off to the left, deeper into the subdivision. We waited about 5 minutes and then slowly and as quiet as possible turned on the car and left. But to this day I have no idea about the guy with horns, and the invisible person no person was or what they were. I don't know why this playground and the subdivision it is on is weird land, but. The playground is connected to a forest that connects to a much larger forest with some spots cut through by highways or other subdivisions. Growing up all the weird stories came from the forest area behind the haunted playground area. Cut up deer parts arranged in a ritual sacrifice, that forest. Someone stole a cow from a couple towns over and mutilated it and guess where they found the head? That same forest. Thanks for reading.